if you don't get in touch with your authenticity and feel strong and have a really good, strong core belief about it, you're going to be um, timid about the way you present yourself to the world if it's not the, I'm putting this in air quotes, the norm. Welcome to the Vibe Living Podcast, a podcast that talks about topics for women over 40. You know, that time of your life that many call midlife. That time of life when you can really vibe, be vibrant, intuitive, beautiful, and emerge. Join me, Linus Woods-Mullins, certified holistic living and wellness expert for women over 40, as I talk about a variety of topics that address the wellness of the mind, body and spirit for women over 40 remember midlife doesn't mean no life midlife is an opportunity to increase your self-love your self-care and your self-worth it's your time to be vibrant intuitive beautiful and emerged it's your time to vibe so come on let's vibe Hello, everybody. It's Lennis, and welcome to another what I consider truly special Vibe Living podcast. I'm a living and wellness expert for women over 40, and I just love the idea of women over 40 catching the vibe. And by that, I mean being more vibrant, intuitive, beautiful, and emerged. And today, I have a guest that I think really personifies what it means to vibe. And here's the reason why I say that. And this just happened to me the other day. Uh, I'm at the grocery store talking to um, um, the lady standing behind me, and she says to me, oh, I just love your hair. She says, I've been wanting to, you know, let my hair go gray, but, you know, I just can't do it. And I said, well, you know, I I, I have to, full disclosure, I went gray because I have an allergy to hair dye. It wasn't like I decided, okay, I'm going to do that. And she said, yeah, well, I, I have an allergy to hair dye also. And I'm like, so why are you still <laughs> do, taking that, taking yourself through that? And she said, well, I go ahead and still dye my hair because I'm still working and I don't want people to blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is the reason why women need to vibe because it's all about the inner beauty radiating out and not necessarily what you look like on the outside. But I get it. Some people aren't comfortable with the whole gray hair thing because of what it is communicates maybe to other people in terms of age. This is why I love my guest that I'm going to have on next because she is a personification of what happens as you grow older and how you redefine yourself, whatever it is. It's not just necessarily about, you know, whether your hair is gray or not or whatever your thing is, but it is about doing what ultimately you know is best for you and that you feel good doing. So I asked the lady at this drugstore, well, you said you're allergic. What happens when you do the hair she says, well, for a couple of days, I really can't go anywhere because my face gets swollen and I break out in hives. And then on the third day, I'm fine. And I thought to myself, well, what you're telling me is, I took a risk because I don't know this lady. <laughs> she said, what you're telling me is that you go ahead and you risk your health in order to look like what you think society thinks is acceptable because of your gray hair. And she said, yeah, I do. 
And I said, well, I challenge you to think about that and maybe consider another way uh, to get the hair color you want, or maybe consider even taking a look at going gray, because is it really worth your health? And I'll take it a step further, everybody who's listening to the podcast right now. Is it worth your physical health? Is it worth your emotional health to do something to make you look a certain way so that when it comes to your age, you feel that you're acceptable by society? I say no. Now, if you are doing it because that's just your preference and that makes you feel better, then fine. But risking your physical health and maybe even your emotional health to put that square peg in the round hole, I say no to that. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. The whole issue around ageism, beauty, and the things that we do to kind of put ourselves into a pretzel to be considered acceptable as we age. I want to actually have uh, a recording uh, that my guest has done to kind of speak for itself, and then we're going to go right to her. So bear with me as I begin to turn this on, because I really want you to get from her mouth directly in terms of who she is and how she thinks. I've been a woman and Black all my life. But not even that prepared me for the discrimination I would face once I got to be old. For more than 30 years, I made my living as an actress. But when I turned 50 and the casting director stopped calling and my agent suggested that I gain 50 pounds so that I could do more character work, my response was, oh, hell no. So I redirected my natural actor's curiosity into becoming a hypnotherapist. Most of my clients were women my age, suffering from depression. And I soon came to realize that they'd already been hypnotized into believing that women lose value and sexual currency as we got older. And then a funny thing happened. The positive suggestions that I gave my clients snapped me out of my own trance. Give up a career that I love and that I'm good at because I'm too old? Oh, hell no. So after 30 years of working in television, I went back to my roots of live performing and reinvented myself as a performance artist and, drum roll please, stand-up comic. Now, I'm casting a new spell with a positive message about the vibrancy, vitality, and viability of women of all ages. Oh, hell yeah. Now, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I believe that, you know, doing things that you feel you need to do to celebrate you, regardless of your age, is what is most important. And that is why I am so excited today to introduce to you my friend, my sister, Mary Ann Alda. Mary Ann, welcome to the Vibe Living Podcast. It's wonderful to have you here today. Oh, Linus, I'm really happy to be here. We we do so many things together on Clubhouse that it's nice to have this interaction. Yes. You know, I can see you and it's just it's just you and me and not all those other women. <laughs> to get a chance to chat with you and to get a chance to uh, have you on the podcast. I played that first because, you know, actually it's hard to introduce you, Marianne, because you have done so many things and you have remade yourself so many times based upon what your true interests are. 
and you've been successful at doing it. So first of all, tell us a little bit from which you came, because I didn't tell you, I didn't tell everybody yet what you used to do, because let me just say this real very quickly, Marianne Alda is a professional actress, and she was on The Edge of Night for many years, and she was on two or three other television programs. Let's start there. Let's talk a little bit about what you did before you got to what you're doing now. Uh, okay. Um, well, as I said in that little video that you played, uh, the uh, the AARP video, and um, they have declared me an, an age uh, disruptor. Um, <laughs> so yeah, because I'm all about that. I was on the edge of night from 1981 till it went off the air in 1984. I was one of the first African-American daytime soap opera heroines playing Dee Dee Bannister. And from after the show was canceled, I moved to Los Angeles. And my first big gig there was on an HBO series called First in Ten. I was on there for three seasons, recurring as O.J. Simpson's wife. He was the playing the football coach, and I played his his long suffering wife um, <laughs> because he was having affairs. And I won't say that art imitated life, but you know a little bit. Uh, and then probably the thing that I am most uh, recognized for is that I I played Anthony Bouvier's yuppie from hell girlfriend on Designing Women. I played Lita Ford, who was always waiting in the Beamer. Uh, and because Designing Women is forever in reruns somewhere on cable uh, TV, people will, you know, look at me. I can always tell when something that I've done it has been rerun because people give me a funny look in the supermarket. Like, do I know her? She, what, what, what? And so it's kind of like that. And um, I played some of the other more notorious roles where I played um, Sherman Hemsley's stripper girlfriend on Family Matters, Ellen uh, Ellen Keller. Lois Keller. That's who she was. Lois Keller, not Helen Keller. That's someone else totally. Yeah, I was Lois, say, wow. Lois Keller. And the big gig that, I, gig that I had was I I was a series regular on a show called The Royal Family with Red Fox and Della Reese. I played their daughter Elizabeth. And I just did a lot of guest starring, recurring roles, sitcoms primarily. Uh, then I did Sunset, uh, Sunset Beach for a year playing the tragically disfigured Lena Hart. So sitcoms and soap operas have pretty much been, been my bread and butter. At least they were until I turned 50. And then the casting director stopped calling. And I think the reason is, and why my agent suggested that I gain 50 pounds, is because I was a leading lady and, you know, one of, I'm putting this in air quotes now, a pretty girl. So what, what happens when the pretty girl gets old? Does that mean she's not pretty anymore? What do we do with her? I thought, well, you know, I still have to make a living. I became a hypnotherapist because I think actors have a natural curiosity about human behavior and motivation. And when I started seeing my women clients, I realized that we have been hypnotized into believing that women lose value as we get older. Because mm -hmm. most of my clients, um, I trained at the Hypnosis, Hypnosis Motivation Institute in Tarzana, California. And a lot of my clients were pulled from that area. Tarzana and Encino are very upscale, well-to-do community. So the women 
wanted for nothing financially. They were kind of like, you know, the sex in the city, the new, what is it? And just like that, yes. the those kind of women, they had everything, but they were depressed about, uh, uh, because their lives were over. What were they gonna do now? Because they had outlived their beauty, so to speak. And I thought, I don't need to hypnotize them. I need to snap them out of their trance. I need to dehypnotize them. Actors tend to be highly suggestible. So as I was giving my clients the suggestions that took root in my subconscious mind, and I cannot be inauthentic. I cannot tell somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do for myself. I had to walk my talk. I'm just telling them, you can be all that you can be. And I'm going like, hell, Marianne, you need to be doing what it is that you love to do. So my very first solo show, because if Holly wasn't going to hire me, I was going to hire myself. The very first solo show that I did was at the school auditorium at HMI. And it was snap out of it. You've only been hypnotized into believing you're over the hill. The feedback was so positive and women coming up to me and telling me, oh my God, you told my story. Oh, this is great. I need to hear this. I realized that there is a need, there is a hunger for women to see themselves, a reflection of themselves, the way we they see themselves as vibrant and vital and alive, you know, as emerged. Exactly. And, and I thought, okay, there's a market that's being missed. There are stories that are not being told. And for the next almost two decades, I mean, I did a little bit of television here and there, I think the last uh, thing I did uh, was on the blacklist. I did a couple episodes of that back in like the, the 20 teens. Mm -hmm. I, I performed live theater. I did stand-up comedy. And the comedy that I do is not self-deprecating humor about being old. I talked about being older and some of the things that happened to me as, a, as an older woman, but it's always positive and uplifting. I think we need that because if we can't see it the images that we see on screen they form our belief systems we can't be it if we can't see it so i think a lot of women feeling depressed and not good about themselves is because that's the way they see themselves what older women portrayed in television yes and so i i thought well okay i do believe it's changing I think it's starting to change now. I think Madison Avenue is far ahead of Hollywood. And I think that's because Madison Avenue wants to sell things to us. They get it. We represent yes. uh, billions of dollars of income or billions of dollars of consumer Absolutely. Um, income Absolutely. in terms of what they could be earning. So they do recognize that, although sometimes they have some foopas in terms of them trying <laughs> to recognize it. And a lot of times I think those foopas come from employing people who are not in that age bracket to come up with these commercials and copy and everything else. And then we as consumers looking at this and we're like, well, no, wrong. Right. <laughs> well, you know, talking about ageism, ageism is in the advertising industry. A mm -hmm. lot of the, the people coming up with these campaigns for mm -hmm. older people are in their twenties and thirties. And it is, I'll give you an example. Um, because of Clubhouse, I, let me back up. I consider myself to be an age anarchist. Yes, that I is, love that. Yes, that is how I define What is an age anarchist? Okay. I am devoted 
to dismantling the social structures that say that old is bad and young is good because it's in the culture. These, these social structures do have to be dismantled and uh, be, because it's so built in to society that it's built into our psyches. We don't even, we're not even aware that we've been brainwashed into believing what we believe. It's just become part of the norm and what we've accept, become to accept. We have to totally just blow that mother up and <laughs> say, no, as I say, hell no, we're not gonna do this because we are, we're just kind of lockstepped into believing this is the way it has to be because this is the way it's always been. No, first of all, we are in an era of society that people haven't been living this old before, right. you know? So, and the whole lifespan is being extended. So it's not like, okay, there's adolescence, there's, there's a young adult and there's middle age and then there's old. <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. It's like all of these uh, uh, ages are expanded. Adolescence is longer than it used to be. Young adulthood is longer than it used to be. Middle age is longer than it used to be. So it's not like middle age used to be, say, maybe 40s to 50s. Now middle age is probably 50s to 70 because, yeah, because, you know, when it comes to young adulthood, I mean, people are experimenting. When I was growing up, you know, you found a career, you did something, you stayed with the company for 30 years, you retired, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then if you had a passion for something, then you, you follow that up later. But what's happening now is that younger people are coming out of college. They're experimenting, they're exploring. They don't got, get locked into what it is that they want to do until they explored a lot of different things. So they don't, sometimes they don't start their career until mid thirties, you know, and then they will do that. And, you know, so it's, so yeah, we are, we are creating something new and because it hasn't existed before, People are confused. <laughs> Absolutely. People are confused on both sides, not just society in general, but we that are in that age realm are confused. Right. I can remember when um, I first got on Clubhouse, I learned that I was middle-aged. I, I didn't know what I was. I, I, I didn't encode it that way. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm middle-aged then, that means I might live until 130, right? Because right. I'll be 65 in June, so I'm middle-aged, 130. And it's like, no. And then we've had the debate, well, okay, what can we call ourselves if middle age is no longer, you know, um, you know, fitting the norm anymore? And what I've kind of landed on is the whole idea of just getting away from that label of I'm this, I'm that. Like, they try to keep thinking of new generation X's, generation Z, and generation... We have this need to put people in categories, give them a, la a, a label, and then kind of look at them as this whole monolith, you know, of people that are like this, and then these folks are like this. And as African Americans, we know the danger of that and how uh, it can be so limiting. So I'm really excited about the idea at this stage of our lives of just, like you said, just throwing all that stuff out. 
definitely throwing the baby out with the bathwater and coming up with something totally different and saying, this is who I am, period. There is no label for me. I'm Liz, you're Marianne. There's no label. It's so interesting, too, because I do get that feedback all the time, Marianne, about, gee, you look so young for your age. Now, whenever anybody says that to me, I don't get insulted. And I don't think it's a compliment either, but I always think about what I thought women looked like that were my age when I was growing up. And it wasn't that my mom's friends or anything looked like this, but on television, she had a black dress on, black orthopedic shoes, she had a hairnet on, and she always sat with a rocking chair, a cat, and knitting, okay? So I'm like, okay, I'm having a meltdown here because that is not me. I'm nowhere close to that. Where did that come from? Came from Hollywood. And they would put that on, you know, put old movies on. And that's what mother, mom, who had kids that were in high school, barely looked functional. And then in the 50s, moms who had kids in high school, think about Beaver's mom. She had on the pearls, the shirtwaist dress with the, you know, with the with the big skirt, heels. And she was doing vacuum. And like, okay, that wasn't me when my kids were in high school. Where, where am I in all this? And the reality is the reality of our lives are not necessarily reflected in all the things that we look at. They're very watered down or over puffed, but they're not grounded necessarily in reality. So I look upon that as an opportunity. It's definitely an opportunity to start educating women while it's okay to not put yourself in a category, to not put yourself in a label, because that basically represents how unique you are, how different you are, and not to ins- not to let people insist that you've got to be in this category. I was just talking to my granddaughter the other day, and I, um, I told her, she asked me something. I said, well, you know, grandma's old, honey. And she's like, you're not old. You know, she was so upset about that. She's six years old and she was upset that I used the word old. And I used it on purpose because I'm working on that because that's something that you've been talking about, how old has this negative connotation, just like black is a bad thing, you know? So I'm old and black. Oh my God, I'm really bad, right? But no, no, no. I'm old because I'm older than a lot of people who survived and I'm glad that I'm old. I, I it, it would be bad if old was all, I think old has a tendency to be compared to death you know, if you're old right. and deaf. But let's face it, when you're young, you can you live 30, 40 years being young, you can live another 30, 40, 50 years being old. You know, right. so what's bad about all of that? And of course, I won't even get to why black is not bad. But anyway, so I wanted to ask you a whole nother conversation, right? But I wanted to ask you, what's your advice to help women first? Because I think it starts with us. It's, it doesn't really start so much with society and everything else, because that is a monolith. And we'll take forever. We'll take whatever time we have left to try to do that and then some. But where can we start ourselves to begin to change and shift that paradigm in terms of how we view ourselves? I think for me, and I do recommend this to everyone, um, you know, like you, I get the, I'm 73 and I get the, oh my God, you don't look 73 or wow, you're 73. A lot of it has to do not only with the way I look, but the way I act, Yes, my behavior, how I function in the world. And I, I, you know, I think it's the way we language things. You know, people say, oh, you're so youthful. That's because I exhibit behavior that is vibrant and vital and alive. Why are those attributes assigned to youth? I know some dowdy, boring, dull, young people. <laughs> it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with life force and life energy. 
It's just like you're talking about demographics. There, that term is sort of antiquated. Now it's like it's about psychographics. You can be any age, but and especially with the internet, people are connecting across the world on things that that they commonalities that they share in interests and life purpose. And that has nothing to do with age. So I do believe that that is helping to dismantle that whole mm -hmm. demographics. You fit in this box and you fit in this box because now it's kind of like, well, there's one from column A and there's one from column B and there's one from column C and we're going to put all of them in this box. Right. Whole other ball game. And now, now back, I kind of got away from your question. What I tell to uh, to women, well, how I encourage women is to ignore what everybody else says and be curious. Follow your curiosity. It begins on the inside. And sometimes those little voices that we hear on the inside, you know, that say you should do this or you should do that. We need to find out whose voices those really are. Because a lot of times they're not our voices. They are voices that have been installed in us by society or maybe our parents or somebody else. And we need to take the time, journal, stop, ask yourself some questions and figure that stuff out. I was going to say figure that S-H-I, but I mean. That's all right. Figure, okay, figure that shit out. <laughs> Absolutely. Figure, that, figure that out. And only when we get in touch with who we are, can we build up the confidence to represent ourselves that way in the world. Yes. You, you know what I mean? If it's like, because if you don't get in touch with your authenticity and feel strong and have a really good, strong core belief about it, you're going to be, um, timid about the way you present yourself to the world if it's not the i'm putting this in air quotes the norm you Absolutely. know that's I why i'm an age disruptor i'm about disrupting right. the norm i think the whole age thing uh, really radiates from the inside out if you are telling yourself that you are less than because you're older if you are focusing on the things you see in the mirror around the wrinkles and things like that if you're playing into the little creaky things and you don't make the changes necessary in your diet and you know because let's face it we should not be eating like we're 20 year olds who wants to anyway i mean most of <laughs> most of them you know they eat whatever they want right well we really shouldn't be that way anyway because you either pay for it on the front end or the back end what you ate when you were in your 20s and stuff is probably showing up by the time you're 40 55 anyway so why would you want to be like that so you want to go ahead and do the whole wellness thing take a look at what's going on with your mind your body and your spirit and then make the necessary adjustments so that you are feeling more vibrant you are having because i tell you people who do that inner work that take the time to stop being a part of the walking wounded. And uh, the walking wounded are people to me who basically have made up their mind. They just ain't going to do nothing about it. They're miserable and they're going to stay that way. They're not going to go to therapy. They're not going to lose the weight. They're not going to peel back the layers. They're just going to be miserable. Okay. And once you decide you don't want to be that, and you begin to do the work. It's amazing how all of a sudden to your friends and family and people that you see on the street, they see that vibrancy coming out. And they wonder, wow, you look great. What are you doing? You haven't done anything different. 
Right. Well, you know, speaking of what you just mentioned, kind of brings up the um, something that's kind of become a a trope for middle-aged women. We're invisible. You know, the invisibility of the middle-aged woman. As I say in my TED talk, shameless plug, uh, as I say in my TEDx talk, you know, if you are invis feel that you're invisible, you can do something about that. You need to find a way to shine. And especially as, as a black woman, it's like invisibility was my destiny. I was born in 1948. Nobody was going to be looking at me. I always knew that I had to, if, if I wanted to be seen, I had to be about something. So, you know, if you haven't been about something in your 20s and 30s and 40s because you could rely on walking to a room because you were beautiful, you were hot, you were whatever. No, 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 no. You have to find something other than me, 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 me. You have to flip that switch and be interested in other people. What are you putting into the world? It ain't about you, boo. You need mm -hmm. to start caring about other people and then they will respond to you in kind. You know, it's that interesting. That's yeah. a very good point. And to me, it's all about uh, planting seeds and not being invested in the outcome. You know, right. just go ahead and do those things and move on to something else, because sometimes we have a tendency to be vested in the outcome and that burns us out. It makes us feel like we're not uh, not of value or contributing, whatever. But there's something you said earlier about uh, pursuing those things uh, that, you know, make you feel good about yourself, uh, taking a look at things that maybe you haven't done before. Um, and, and I would add to that is, you know, basically pursuing your passions, the things that you're passionate about. Um, many times, this is the wonderful thing about growing older, is that the way society has it rigged right now, you have the time to pursue your passions, right? Because they're not going to hire you anymore, supposedly, and so on and so forth. So you have the time to pursue the passions, the things that you really feel passionate about. And when you are pursuing your passion, I really do, I really truly do believe therein lies your treasure. I know because I'm living it. I was 51 when I left corporate America. I really do feel that had I stayed, I would be looking like a hot mess right now. When I look at my picture at 51, there's something different going on around the eyes. You know, yeah, there's less bags, less wrinkles. I'm not talking about that part. There's something in my eyes that was missing that I see now in my pictures. And that's like 15 years age difference just about. And I think that the difference is how I chose to live my life, which was pursuing my passions. I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, something else, uh, this reminds me of something that a friend of mine said, my friend Randy. Uh, when casting directors, you know, stopped calling, when my television career dried up and I went back to the theater, I went to back to stage, I said, I remember saying to Randy, I said, you know what? If I'm gonna, if I knock on a door and it does not open, I'm gonna keep knocking on doors until I find one that opens for me. And that's when I'll go through. And what he said was, yeah, Marianne, but you have to remember that sometimes people move and you can go back to that door that didn't open the first time and there might be somebody else there who will let you in. This is true. You know what? That brings to mind something um, in, in my own life experience because my life has changed radically in the last 15 years. And just last year, I ended up knocking on a door where there's someone else, someone else answered uh, many years ago. 
when I was in my 20s, I went to an audition for an agency, modeling agency. I have no idea why. I was a dancer. So people kept telling me that I should do that because I had a dancer's body. I was thin, you know, no curves back then, whatever. And I got turned down. Okay. Fast forward uh, 50 years later, almost, I knocked on a door and a different person answered. And now I'm signed to a modeling agency and an influencer agency for women with gray hair. Who knew? So that's, you're absolutely right. Tell Randy, he's absolutely right. Tell that story. I went back and I knocked on that door again, but a different person answered. The reality is that as long as we are living, there's opportunity out there for us. As long as we have breath in our bodies, there's always a possibility of doing something new in a different way that you've never done before. As long as we're able to breathe, there's always a possibility not possibility. There is joy to be lived. There's so many things to, to keep experiencing. That's why I think that Betty White was such an excellent example for all of us and why everybody was so just devastated when she died. I'm thinking, my gosh, she was 99 years old. But the thing was that she was here as a reminder of what we could still do as we're growing older. Right. Right. You know, um, and that's why even though it's been a good maybe 20 some years since I've been away from television consistently, I'm knocking on that door again because the TV door, because, and I just, I got cast in something that um, out of clubhouse, I did a, a, a TV gig that's going to be on AMC's all black network sometime at the maybe January, February, early part of this year. But I, you know, talking about the, you know, the change is happening and that Madison Avenue caught on first and Hollywood is just starting to catch up. Hollywood is now starting to also recognize the fact that there is an audience that is not being catered to. And back in the day, <clears throat> you had to have millions and millions of, of, of people to have a hit. Now there are a lot of niche shows. Yes. If you can deliver a certain audience and the thing about it is that, I know I'm jumping around here, but this it'll all come together. <laughs> I remember reading um, an interview with Harrison Ford, maybe 30 years ago in when he was doing Indiana Jones and all those movies. And he said, I have no illusions about the role I serve in this industry. I'm simply a cog that helps to turn the wheels of commerce. Well, when it comes to turning the wheels of commerce for older women, Hollywood has not built enough cause. And I have stayed relevant and busy and stayed in touch with my, my audience. I can give value to Hollywood now and say, uh, you haven't been wooing this audience, but I have them with me. If you're doing an ensemble show where you have different uh, generations, different categories of people, having an older woman who's, who is relatable to other older women and not just the butt of the joke for younger generations <laughs> yeah. uh, can make the difference. That audience can make the difference between a show being canceled and being renewed. 
So Absolutely. why not hire me? Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> now you guys all heard it, okay? Basically, okay, you heard it. Yeah, this is why I love your approach because I, I really do believe it gives women hope, but also it educates them in terms of the things that they need to unlearn. Because you know how the old saying, when you're busy pointing fingers at, oh, it's because of this, this, and this, how many are pointing back at you? The energy that it takes to be complained about how bad everything is out there is the same energy that you could turn around and use to make the changes that you need to make so that you are more vibrant, so that you do have that inner beauty radiating out, so that you can go ahead and emerge into you know the person that you truly want to be, that you know is there. It's not too late. And I love, 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 before we go, I, I, I got to ask you this. I love the saying that you said, I think, in your stand-up con a comic uh, comedy routine uh, when you're talking about what you're going to do with the aging process. What do you say? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, getting old as a bitch, but I'm gonna wrestle that bitch to the ground. That one. Yes. <laughs> that is the title. That's the title of my solo show. Yes. Get, getting old. It, it's kind of a, a a riff on, you know, um, what is it? Uh, um, Betty Davis said, "Getting old ain't for sissies." <clears throat> right. Getting just, old is a bitch. But you can wrestle that bitch and you can win. Absolutely. And I love that. I love that. I love that. I want that to be everybody's mantra who listens to this, that you can wrestle that bitch to the ground. You do not have to be a victim of the old, so to speak. Marianne, thank you so much for joining us on the Vibe Living Podcast. Thank it has been wonderful. Me. It's fantastic having you here. And I just want to thank everybody else for listening. Our subscriptions are going up. I'm so happy about that. Please share this show. Go ahead and like and subscribe and comment on the show. And also take a look at the bio and the content below. And all of Marianne, all this information is um, down there. So make sure you follow her on Clubhouse because she does appear on Clubhouse sometimes. She's got a YouTube channel. And just be keeping track of her because her Instagram is great and she's got some great things going on. And also, if you want to find out about me, my link is down there somewhere as well. Thanks so much for listening. Have a fantastic rest of the day. And most importantly, don't forget to vibe. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Vibe Living Podcast. Please feel free to download, rate, share, and like the show. To find out more about living a vibe life, go to my website at wellnesswoman40.com or email me at vibelivingpodcast at gmail.com. Have a fantastic day, and don't forget to vibe.